The really good thing about the Mission Theatre and the Bacchus Restaurant is that we can see the possibilities of what can be done with a, a grand heritage building if you find the right use. And definitely this high-end Bacchus restaurant wine bar concept is fantastic for this building. It, it's a use that so suits this space, you know. It, it still remains in here a beautiful building and as you've said, the restaurant is completely appropriate for the building. Uh, but I guess the challenge there is when we look at the theatres that we've done so far, there's an awful lot of money between there and this when you look at something like the Victoria, the work that has to be done there is beyond merely being able to afford it. It's about loving it, doing it for the love of it. You know, I reckon sometimes it's just a matter of cleaning a place up, getting rid of all the... Um, Pigeon poo? Yeah, the detritus <laughs> of, of those other occupants, um, our, our AVR occupants. But the thing with this building is I came in here before it was actually cleaned up and adapted and it was in a pretty parlous state. So from that point of view, it, to me, the way that it's been adapted now, apart from probably the obvious things like the kitchen fit out, it's, it's pretty true. It hasn't really been um, disturbed to a, a significant degree. All of the structure, the in interior fittings are pretty much still here. Um, so in terms of, you know, your, your outlay, your capital cost outlay, to run, a, to run a restaurant, to establish a restaurant, most commercial restaurants would have to outlay that sort of capital anyway. So when you think of it from that point of view, um, maybe there is some cost benefit you know in taking a building like this and just being able to strip it of the the crap if you like the the layers of accretions that get put into to buildings over the years things like you know um aluminium windows and things like that and comp compartments and yucky air conditioning and yucky strip lighting all that stuff can just be stripped away fairly economically um and then allow the fabric and the actual building itself to sing again. I think that's what's happened here. So if you have a look around, the interventions are very minimal, you know. There's a bit of dressing up here and there, obviously the fit out for the kitchen and so forth. But by and large, they haven't done a huge amount in terms of, you know, changing the building. It is a beautiful restaurant, but it is also still obviously once upon a time a theatre. Yeah, well, before that, it was a, a church hall. So it was built for the Methodists. Um, Boy, they built themselves some church hall, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. So when you think about modern revivalist churches, such as Hillsong and so forth, you know, they, they have this same sort of model, you know, where you have basically a large stage where, you know, people can perform and so forth and then around that you have your u-shaped seating so that you know your audience is really part of the the performance that's going on and so i suppose the methodists were a little bit ahead of their time in 1903 when they when they had this place designed because you know it has an upper level mezzanine seating and then it had the downstairs area as well and a large stage for for performances so you know it must have been ahead of its time so what has the life of this building been like? 
Um, well, Heather, Heather's got some great stories. M- my knowledge is obviously just from the heritage strategist at the council's knowledge. Um, Heather can probably um, give us some more intimate details, but my understanding is that it did begin as the Methodist church. Um, it became um, a theatre space, a performance space after that, and now it's, it's kind of modern incarnation is the restaurant, so... When we've talked about um, our first burial ground being just up the hill from here and the life of that burial ground, there has to be stories, you'd think, somewhere of um, some of the remnants rolling down the hill as have been claimed by other <laughs> residents from beneath the burial ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing too um, to note is that the original Methodist church was just around the corner on Brown Street. Um, so there were two churches in fairly close proximity, but this was the, the, the whole part of the operation, if you like, the performance part of the operation. Heather, working in this building, this beautiful, beautiful building, must be a real joy. It really is. It's got this amazing vibe to it. It feels so pleasant to work here. It's a lovely place to come to work every day. I'm very blessed. Is there a ghost? You mentioned a ghost to me earlier. <laughs> yeah, look, we um, we have a bit of a theory. Often when I'm here on my own at night time, at the end of the night, or um, when the, the kitchen staff are finishing up at the end of the night, we all ponder the idea of a ghost rattling around in here. There's quite a few noises and that sort of awful chill that runs down the back of the neck that you think, oh, there's something in here other than just me. Whether or not it's our vivid imaginations or not, I'm not too sure. Heather, is this a a classic example of I don't believe in ghosts but... Yes, absolutely. It probably helps us in a way just to uh, wrap our heads around the uh, the noises that are incurred with an old building, and it's, <laughs> you sort of attribute this personality to it. The um, the Bacchus ghost, as we you know very fondly refer to him, a, be- a, a him, a oh, benign him. spirit, yeah, him. You think? Somehow, somehow he became a him. Um, I originally thought it was a her, but I've been convinced otherwise. So mm, it has a lot to do with the noises that come from the male bar bathrooms at the end of the night oh. so oh. <laughs> it is yeah so, <laughs> so what do you know about the previous uses of, of the building as well because it, it wasn't just the church hall it was used for theatre yeah look we um as far as I'm aware uh there was actually some performances by Dame Nellie Melba um here in the wow. sort of 30s 40s when she was here so these these are sort of anecdotes that have been passed on to me by the previous owner of the restaurant who did some pretty thorough research as well so um that's something that's pretty amazing as far as Newcastle history and theatre is concerned so we're quite happy to um hold on to that anecdote um one of the other things when it was a Methodist church or the mission um, was that it was apparently the conception of Meals on Wheels um, for um, an influenza outbreak in Maitland um, at the time. So it was being used as a soup kitchen uh, for that use, which is quite a lovely idea that that, those kinds Mm. of amazing um, Mm. humanitarian kind of Mm. ideas and ideals were Mm. happening here at the time. Um, and yeah, that just the amazing theatre space that it was. So many people that come in now and 
dine here um, often reflect on different uh, performances that they've seen throughout their lifetime and they're really quite happy to see it being used and not as, you know, it was quite derelict and, and dilapidated before the restaurant was put in here. So it's nice to see that it's being used in a contemporary manner. One of the things that's really nice about it is that for, for a lot of those people, who come in and dine here, the history of this building is still just within reach to share those stories with you. Yeah, absolutely. And we even have, you know, some of the... um older generation coming in and saying how they actually came here when it was a church as well and we had quite a few people coming in saying how um, you know they met here and now they're married and they've been married for 40 years and they're coming in for their 40th wedding anniversary and those kinds of things so the fact that they're actually you know palpable um, tangible historical elements that have happened here then they're able to come in and sort of you know celebrate that is really lovely. Heather's just touched on something that's really quite significant that when you have a historic building in a community the community often has connections with with these historic buildings so the more of those historic buildings we lose the ability we have to connect with our history and and our community's past um, it gets more and more diminished and it is it is just another valuable part of keeping and telling the stories isn't it it is yeah and I mean those um, anecdotes that Heather's just mentioned are really fascinating and I think it's um, it's wonderful that our Newcastle community comes in here and remembers it as various uses and that's fantastic. As the city's heritage strategist, Sarah, when you look around you and you look at this this building and the way that it has been reused, obviously you've got to be very happy about that because it's another building that we nearly lost. I'm stoked. <laughs> That's a technical yeah, term, stoked. It is a technical term, yep, absolutely. Um, because as I, as I mentioned, um, I came in here too before it was um, turned into the Bacchus restaurant and it was one of those spaces that you could, you, could, you could see the possibilities and it was on the edge of it, but it hadn't quite been taken to that, that potential, to realise its potential. Mm. Um, and Heather mentioned the previous owner who I think... Um, was the person responsible for fitting it out for the Bacchus restaurant and started the restaurant. So um, I'm not sure if I can mention his name, but he's he's obviously um, quite a, um, a brilliant um, businessman who sees the possibilities in um, defunct, sad spaces that need some TLC. Has he got some more sad spaces that he's going to give some TLC? I think so, but yeah. Yes, and yes, in Newcastle. Mm. Ah, how wonderful. More beautiful stories to tell. Mm. Yeah. Um, The chandeliers here uh, really make this space. They really frame the space and and give it some some texture and, you know, really create a focal point in the centre of the space. 